You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear friends and brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, the Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. May we say amen to the word of the Lord as we go deeper into it this morning. You can be seated. I don't think I'll ever forget the day a few years ago. Actually, it's about, gosh, he'll be eight this week on Friday. So probably six years ago, we went in the doctor's office with our little two-year-old, Niall, and the question from, the, from our pediatrician, have you considered having Niall tested for autism? No parent wants to hear questions like that. I mean, you know, and, and it's like this moment of, and it could be anything. I mean, autism is such a wide spectrum of, of, of what it is. Um, and, and, and it's like these questions, especially when it comes to like your children, and then at a certain stage of your life, when it's your parents. I remember a few years ago before that, my dad was diagnosed with skin cancer. And it was almost like, oh, oh he's doing great right now. You know, my dad had a heart problem. He had a pacemaker. He's had blood pressure issues. But he's doing so good now. But, but in those moments when you first hear that word, have you considered Niall? Give him check for autism. You know, those, are, those are things that kind of take you back and may strike you with fear, right? Or at least we worry about some things like that, right? And there was, you know, for us, we never entered into this 
time of worry with that situation with Niall. And, and the reason was because God had prepared us. When I finished my degree program and began my first job in ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma as a youth pastor, there was a family in our church, in our, in our congregation, and they ended up having had two young ladies that were in our youth ministry, but one daughter who was way younger. Actually, she's Christian's exact same age. Her, their birthdays are like a month apart. And she had autism. It was the first time I'd ever been really experienced that. And she was sweet, and she was beautiful, and she was smart and articulate, and it was really kind of cool to see her. And now we're, we're Facebook friends, and here she, you know, some years later, she'll still message me from time to time. How's the family? Does Christian remember who I am? These kind of things, you know. And it's like, this is from a long time ago. And then our second position in ministry a couple of years after that, was in South Florida. And there was another, I was associate pastor of a church here, and there was a family in the church who has this little daughter who had autism. And she was completely different. Her name was Hannah. The first one's name was Shelby. And Hannah and Shelby were completely different, yet they were both amazing and beautiful people. And Hannah was so like, she, she would, like a photographic memory, you know, like she could remember anything. I remember I was gone. We left and moved away. We went back to visit a year later, and we came to church. And she said, you haven't said hi to me lately. I said, Hannah, I don't live here anymore. She said, I haven't seen you in church. I'm like, she, like, she was like, she immediately was like, where's my hello? Where's my hug? Where's my, you know, where have you been? And in between those times, those two, actually those two ministries, I spent nine months working in the public school system. I worked as a, um, as a teacher's aide with special needs students for a ninth grade center in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And so I had really been, become familiar with every, every kind of, of, of physical and, and mental uh, difficulties, special needs, and, and I, these these kids were just kids like every other kid. I mean, they had the same jokes and the same musical tastes and the same, you know, this, the same, you know, the guys liked girls in school and the girls liked guys, and so it was all the same, and I was like, okay, and, I, and so when they said, have you considered maybe having non-tested autism, I wasn't worried at all because God had prepared me for this through life through my experience we have experience now there are other family members we have uh, like family members that would like soon as we said we're gonna have now check for autism <gasps> oh no it was like calm down <laughs> just calm down oh my word you know oh, my word and then there was others who were like in denial no because see jericho and if you know jericho he's a little bit ahead i mean he's crazy brilliant and, and I'm saying because I'm a proud daddy. It's like documented. Like this kid's, he's ahead of his time, so to speak. And they're like, well, Jericho's just so advanced. And so that's why you're comparing. There's, now there's, there's nothing wrong with Nile. No, there's not. He has autism. There's nothing wrong with him. This is who he is. <laughs> and, and it's just this amazing thing. But that's for us how we experience this, you know, having no worries, going through something that, you know, a lot of times in life would cause you a lot of worry. Uh, things with your children. Now, what are some things that cause people to worry in life? We obviously, our children, our family. What else? What are some other things? Bills. Bills. Yeah, finances. finances. Yeah. Debt. 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 Bills, finances, debt. Sometimes just talking to other people. Okay. Just talk, just conversation. Other people. Other yeah. people. Yeah. Conversation can make you worry. What else? What other things? Pain. Pain. Pain, pain can definitely cause some worry. Physical pain. Emotional pain. Yeah. Yeah, aging loved ones for sure. Yep. Social media. Social media <laughs> definitely be cause for worry. 
Because everybody's got an opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, you see, you see something like you know they have a lot of these fake articles now where yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks died yesterday of a massive heart attack, and then you look and you see it; it's not real. But right. They've got a lot of stuff that you know. Right. So there's insurance advertisements and stuff. There's all these these fake stories. Yeah. Well, it's about somebody famous or somebody you know, or are just in general. Yeah. And also, there's the whole and social media is. In all the media, it's kind of tough. To me, it's politics. I mean, I see people that are so worried about politics. They are worried because of who's in office now, or they're worried because of who was in office before the one who's in now. And it's like it's both, and it's like two different sides of the same coin of worry. And I'm like, yo, I, I thought you know, I thought this was about being a, a being part of the kingdom first. I mean, I'm a citizen of the United States. I care about these things. And I vote, but if I'm a citizen of the kingdom, and if a God is who God is, and if Jesus is who Jesus is, who I believe he is, who he said he is, who all these followers said he is, then why is whoever is the president going to cause me to worry? I need to do my part. I need to be concerned about some things that are happening in our country and in our lives. But worry is a different thing. We'll talk about that today as we continue. We're wrapping up this series today, going through this ancient letter in the Bible. It's called Philippians. Um, and we've been hitting some high points and, and asking God along the way, use this scripture to, to, to guide us, to give us, to, to change our perspective on how we do life and, and how we see life. And, and so um, this letter, Philippians, I'll just as a reminder, just refresh our memories, is written by a follower of Jesus whose name is Paul. It was uh, to a church, the, the city called Philippi, that's why it's called Philippians. It was established or planted in about 52 AD, about 20 years after the crucifixion, resurrection. Ten years later, 62 AD is what the date of this letter is. Um, he's writing them because they had sent him this, this gift. And we read this morning, he references the, the gift they had sent to him uh, uh, this, in this letter. And so we've been calling this series Panorama. And remember Panorama, if you're familiar with photography, you, know, there's, you have the picture that's right in front of you, but, but Panorama gives you like a wider view. It's like a broader view. And that's why we just took that as a theme. It's like we want to get a broader view of our lives. Actually, what we want is to get a different perspective but not just a different perspective. We want God's perspective. And this letter, Philippians, is helping us do that um, because this new perspective that God gives us can bring about a new way of thinking and a new way of living. And that's what we've been shooting for as we go. And we'll do that as we go deeper into this. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 20 this morning. Uh, we're going to dig deeper into those with this big idea. Seeing life from a broader perspective gives you less worry and more joy. That's our big idea today. We're going to build on that foundation. Seeing life with a broader perspective, really you could just switch that out and put God. I mean, if you have the note sheet, scratch out broader perspective and put God's perspective. Seeing life from God's perspective gives you less worry and more joy. And so a few thoughts on that about how to, how to have no worries. First thing is just to acknowledge that worry is a matter of perspective. I really believe worry is a matter of perspective. Good, a good example is a couple weeks ago, um, it was... Uh, there was a tropical storm. Anybody even remember it now? <laughs> the tropical storm named Barry, right? Tropical storm Barry. Now, on Saturday, all on the news, they were showing the storm surge because it, it was a hur category one hurricane as it made landfall. But it, it immediately went, got downgraded to this tropical storm. Now, most people are like, don't know that they, once they hear the H word, it's, it's hurricane until you know, it's up in Illinois and there's a little sprinkle of rain and they're like, oh, the hurricane hit us, you know, 
And so, but they show on all the Weather Channel, all the news, and this is nationwide. Hurricane Barry has made landfall, and they show the, the, the storm surge, which causes the flooding. No, no matter what kind of hurricane or tropical storm, a storm surge is going to cause flooding along the coast. They showed all these pictures. So family members in Ohio and other places are calling. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? We're so, we're worried about you. You need to, you, you need to leave. You need to evacuate. We're good. You know, we're good, you know. And, and the thing about like, that storm and the difference, the difference is if you've been through it before. I mean, we lived in South Florida. We've been through, like, tropical storms. I don't even blink anymore, tropical storms. I'm like, bring the rain. It's going to rain. Yeah. I mean, and we were right, we were like, the tropical storm center went right over us. We didn't even get any rain because all the rain was on the east side as, the, as it came off the Gulf. And then it was actually dissipating as it came back around the west side. And we were, the, the center went right over Natchitoches. We didn't get hardly any rain. We got sprinkles. Two days, it was gloomy, but that's what we got. But I've been through the tropical storms before. I've been through a Category 1 hurricane. Actually, the first time I went to a Category 1 hurricane, I was, I was worried because I'd never been through a hurricane before. And after the, the Category 1 hurricane went through, I was like, that's it? A windy, I lived in Oklahoma 10 years. A windy day in Oklahoma is worse than that. I mean, that was, but then I went through a, tropic, uh, a Category 3 hurricane. It devastated where we lived in South Florida for weeks. I mean, for weeks and then for months and even years, they're still doing the cleanup from, the, from a Category 3 hurricane that blasted through there. So I've been through these storms. And so my experience or my perspective causes me not to worry whenever I see I'm living in Natchitoches, Louisiana, and a tropical storm is going to come through. I've been there before. I know what to expect. I know what's going to happen. Category 3 hurricane is going to hit. I'm going to start praying. <laughs> I want to start, okay, God, I'm not going to worry about this. I've been through it before. I know you can provide. I know you can keep us safe. I pray you do it again. Think about yourself. How does experience affect what we worry about? You don't have to answer that a lot, but think about it. Our experience affects what we worry about. Because worry is birthed out of fear. I really believe worry is birthed out of fear. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What you fear the most uh, reveals what you value the most. Like if you're worried about grades, it's because you, you, you value passing the class, <laughs> the class you're in, if you're worried about grades. If you're worried about storm damage, it's because you value the house and your property, you value that. You, so, so you worry about storm damage. If you're worried about your kids or your parents as they get older, it's because you value your family. What you worry about or what you fear the most it reveals what you value the most. But it also reveals, usually, where you trust God the least. What you worry about, what you fear most, reveals what you value the most. And also reveals where you trust God the least. Because worry is a window into our lives. It's a window into our, kind of window into our souls. And then worry is a spiritual issue. And that's why it's good that... that we address it in the scripture, and we address it when we come together to discuss the scripture. I heard this definition of worry, and I think it really rings true. Worry is the sin of not trusting the promises and power of God. I mean, I, I, I read this somewhere. I don't know where I got it, but I had it in my notes. And I'm like, that's a great definition of what worry is. A sin of not trusting the promises and the power of God. So for being honest, all of us at one point or another, we worry about something. I even know some people who worry when there's nothing to worry about. You know what I'm talking about? You, you know somebody like that? I've got some people in my life who are like, 
how things going? Well, things have been going pretty good lately. Man, that's great. I don't know. When things are going good. You know, something bad's about to happen because this, you know, things things happen. And I'm like, you just told me there's nothing to worry about, and you're worried because there's nothing to worry about, man. But worry really is a matter of perspective, and and and, and if you have a reason to worry, if anybody had a reason to worry, the guy writing this letter, Apostle Paul, had a reason. Just remember, he wrote this ancient letter, and he wrote it because he's in prison for preaching Jesus. He's preaching, Jesus is the Messiah, the one you crucified is now the foundation, chief cornerstone. Jesus is the Messiah you're looking for. They lock him up for preaching this and sharing this thing, evangelizing people. And he's awaiting this judgment that could possibly be a death sentence for him. He could possibly get the death sentence for what, he, for, for what he's been doing, what he's accused of. And anyone, if anybody could worry, it's Paul. But he's got a different perspective on God. He's got a perspective that, that many did at that time and many do today. He's got a different perspective, and he's got the perspective that you know, I'm, I'm saying, you know what, give me that perspective. All the way through this study of Philippians, I'm like, God, I want this perspective on you that, that Paul had. He has seen the faithfulness of God through more life tragedies than you can imagine. If you read this book of Acts, and last week I took us through a few places in, in Acts that tell the story. But it's like, if you read that story, it's like he had all kinds of crazy stuff happen. Tragedies, shipwrecks, beaten within an inch of his life, more than once um, stoned, left like, he's okay, he's dead, let's go. <laughs> and left there. And he actually got a little life in him. I mean, this was this was his his life, and his perspective was God shows up. God's faithful, and God had seen him through all of these tragedies. So he writes this from prison. From prison, he writes, "Always be full of joy in the Lord." I'll say it again: rejoice. That's why I love this this passage of scripture. He says, "Rejoice in the Lord always," and again I say, "Rejoice." Now say it again. Somebody say, "Rejoice." Say it again. Rejoice. See, that's what Paul is. He's like, say it again. Say it again. Say it again. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Let everyone see you're considerate in all you do. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. When you know, when you know Jesus the way Paul knows Jesus, when, you, when you've seen God move the way Paul had seen God move, you see life from a broader perspective than just how life affects you. You see something much broader than just how you feel about what happens to you. You don't have to worry because you can actually be full of joy no matter the circumstances. And one of the things I love about this word rejoice, it's a word that literally means to leap and spin. He's like, leap and spin, y'all. I'm chained up. Leap and spin. Rejoice. <laughs> No, it's just a matter of perspective, worry is. And you get a broader view of the view that God gives. You see that in Jesus, there are no worries. There's no, in Jesus, there are no worries. First of all, no worries about what will happen. No, you have no worries about what will happen. Think about the storms. More than the hurricanes, we're very familiar with tornadoes, right? Right? You guys, you guys that live down close to the downtown, you have this thing called the God siren. Where I live, you don't hear it. And the first time I heard it, we was actually having a Bible study at First United Methodist Church. 
and there was like four people there. Me and me and uh, like I mean, I mean Chris Ball. You know, he was there, and you might have been there too. I don't remember if you were there, but we were there, and a storm came through, and it was just starting to rain, and we're like, you know what? It's just four of us. The power went out, and in, in First United Methodist Church, we're in this little coffee shop area. We're the only people in the whole the whole building. It's got a, they got a pretty pretty sizable little building there. We're the only people in this whole building. Storm, it's, it's dark, rain's coming down. We're like, you know, what? we're just gonna so we just have we just pray and let's read the scripture. We'll just, we'll just be all right. And then it started, and I was like, what is that? And these guys are like, oh, that's the God siren. I'm like, what? You, don't hear, you never heard the God siren? It goes off all the time. I'm like, where I live, I live, you can't hear it out where I live. You know, it's like, you know, basically 10 miles from that spot in my house. You can't hear the God siren. And it's like, you know, so, so, but we know about tornadoes. This is for real. Um, about a year ago, a little, maybe a little over a year ago, there's a there's a storm coming, and I'm watching. I'm watching my radar on the TV up until you know signal, no signal, yeah, no signal, no signal. So I'm watching it, and it's like if they I live four miles from Robeline. If they say Robeline, or if they say Prov, I live eight miles from Provencal, Provencal, or I live just past this little community that's not even nothing but just a, a sign that says Hagewood. And if they say Hagewood, they said all of those. And I'm like between Robeline and Hagewood, really, I mean, I'm in Natchitoches, but it's that, that community. And I'm like, okay, y'all, we have, we, it's, this storm is going to come right over us. Get in the hallway, because in our house, the hallway is the only place with no windows and no outside walls. It's like, it's, it's not really super safe in our, where we live, but still, it's the safest spot. So we get in the hallway, the kids are in the hallway, we got the pillows to have, you know, just in case stuff starts flying, we can you know, cut the halos up, nothing hit us on the head. And I'm looking at my phone, and I've got that app, because the TV's out now, right? Because the power, now the power goes out. So now everything's off, but I still got my phone, still got a connection, and I still have, uh, able to see the radar. And I'm watching this tornado come on my phone, and I see the dot. If you have the app, you know you're the dot, right? On your weather app. I see, well, I'm the dot. And here's the storm, and it's still coming, it's still coming. And I start praying. I don't want to freak my kids out, so I'm praying silently. I'm like, God, could you just make this storm pass? God, could you let this storm pass? God, would you protect my family and hold my family in your hands as this storm goes over? And that storm hits the dot and dissipates. Now, I'm not saying that's some woo moment or that that happens every time, and if you just had enough faith, you blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that. Because, you know, the whole question, you know, what about somebody who prays and that doesn't dissipate? I don't have the answer for that. I just know what happened that moment and that day, and I'm there in my hallway with my kids. They're worried. I'm just saying, God, I trust you. And that storm, I watched it hit, and Shelly's looking over at my radar, and I'm like, you see that? She's, yep. I'm like, wow. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. We believe you, Lord. <laughs> we believe in the Lord. We believe in the Lord. So, Whenever there's tornadoes or storms, and there's storms in life, not even just those kind of storms, but storms we face in life, how do you face them with no worries? Because there's a difference. Because I was concerned. If I wasn't concerned, I wouldn't have my kids in the hallway with the, with the pillows and the blankets, and I wouldn't be looking at the radar. But if I was worried, I'd be, like, freaking out. There's a difference somehow between being concerned and worried. What's, does anybody, can, can you tell me what it is? Like, what's the difference between being concerned and worried. I would say worried is when you spend all day thinking about it and you like you can't get it off your mind. Okay. Concern is just like a 
not necessarily a passing thing, but like a you know I'm aware that it's happening, but I'm not going to let it consume my entire thought process. Yeah, I think the word "consumed" you just used. That's that's. I think that may be the main difference. Like when you when something worries you, it's something that consumes you. Concern is something that you you might you pray about, you may come back to it, but you don't just sit in it all the time. Yeah, because we we should be concerned about lots of things. But not worry. So that's a good a good way to look at it. Thanks, Zach. Verse six, he writes, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's already done. Get that? Thank him for what he's already done. Trust him. Remember what he's already done. Trust him and thank him for what he's already done. And here's the promise he goes with it. Verse seven. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say, trust God when the storm's coming and the storm will dissipate. He says, trust God when the storm is coming and the promise is he will give you peace in the midst of that. He will guard your hearts, guard your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. That's a promise. We can have no worries about what will happen when we know who's in charge. It's, it's the, the key is knowing who is in charge. It's the who. The key is the who. It's like, I don't have to worry about the what when I know the who. Because the who knows the what. Right? I mean, it's kind of like Dr. Seuss almost. Like, <laughs> you know, we can trust God with you know, our everything. Think about you know, finances is what's a big one. And that's been one for us in our life. And it still, from time to time, brings up concerns for us. But we don't worry like we once did. Why? Because we trust God. And we show we trust God because we show our, 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 our trust in Him through the tithe, which is that giving the first 10% of your income. It's like this is for us has been the learning process for us. It's a spiritual learning process. If I'm going to trust God with my finances, I've got to trust Him. Not just say, well, I trust God to work it out, but show my trust by taking that step of faith and saying, here's the tithe, God. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill because I'm paying my tithe first. But you know what we've done? <laughs> we've paid some late, but we've always had, we've always had everything paid. Maybe it means we live beneath our means. I don't like that. I actually, I'm kind of wired where I want to live above my means. <laughs> you can't do that. That's where you get in trouble. And if you just live within your means, you, you could do okay. But if you could make a few choices to live beneath your means, you know what? Trust God. And He will show you, He'll direct your paths in that. It's a learning process as we do that. The problem I had for years about trust would be I would trust God with something. And I would even, like, you don't have the kneeling benches, they called altars, like bring it to the altar. Mm -hmm. And I would, sometimes I would go down, like, God, I just, I don't even know, I'm just gonna come down here, I'm gonna lay it down here, and then I would take it back. <laughs> Like, I'll trust you, God, with this. I'm going to bring it to you, and I'm going to take it back. Because sometimes it seems like, you know, I'll trust God with this, but it's taking too long. Like, God's taking too long. I'm trusting God with this, and he seems to be like, well, that's not really the way I kind of see it happening. So I'll just take it back and do it myself. I trust you, God, but I'm going to go ahead and take care of this. I mean, that's just kind of the way I did things for a while. I trust you, Lord, but i'm just going to go ahead and i'll take care of this myself and it never ever ever worked out the way that gave me peace or joy sometimes i got exactly what i wanted and it turns out after i got what i wanted i didn't want what i wanted anymore <laughs> it wasn't the right thing it never ever worked out a way that gave me joy give it to god and i would take it back give it to god and don't take it back give it to god whatever your it is 
Give it to God and don't take it back. You pray about everything. Trust God. Give it to God. Don't take it back and you don't worry. Because in order to worry, you've got to take it back. In order to worry, you've got to say, you know what, God, I'm not going to trust you after all. That's when the worry comes in. Now, this doesn't mean you don't do anything. Okay? It doesn't mean you don't do anything at all. Because do not worry does not equal do not do anything. Yeah, I don't want you to hear, oh, Pastor Steve said, well, just sit there and watch God do it. No, not, nece- <laughs> that, not necessarily so. No, do not worry does not equal do not do anything. If you can do something about it, do something about it. Right? Do what you can do and trust God with what you cannot do. There's peace in that. There's a, there's a, there's a deliverance from worry in that. Do what you can do and trust God for what you cannot do. Can you heal your sick loved one? Nope. Nope, you can't. So you give it to God. Can you, can you ensure you won't ever get laid off from your job? Nope. So you give it to God. You do what you can. Can you protect your children? I mean, I'm, this is big for me. Can, can you protect your children from all the dangers out there? No, you, but you do what you can. And you trust God. You give them to God. <laughs> A lot of times I, when, I, when I'm uh, counseling, especially premarital counseling, I was like to the ladies, I'm like, do you think you can change him? <laughs> no, you can't. Now, now God can change him, and that, that may happen. That, that probably will happen. If he's, if he's walking with Jesus, you change. And same thing to the, to the guys. You know, you're not going to change her. And if there's something that needs changed, you don't need to be pointing it out. <laughs> Trust God with that. Trust God with that. Because only He can do that. Only He can do that. There's a lot of things that only God can do. When it comes to changing your significant other, that's only, only God can do those things. Can you change anything by worrying? No. Even if you trace back, go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. These three chapters, a Sermon on the Mount. Jesus hits that right in the middle. Can you add a day to your life by worrying? No, you cannot. God can change anything, though. Think of that. Just ask yourself that question. Can I change this by worrying? No. Can God change this by His power? Yes. So I'm going to trust God. Trust God. So what do we do? Verse 8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. Think about these things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Then he throws another promise in there. Keep putting all this into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Again, the promise is about peace. Fix your minds on what is excellent and praiseworthy. Think about these things. All the things that cause you to worry. Don't let those occupy your mind. Occupy your mind with what's excellent and praiseworthy. And the God of peace will be with you. He's on a roll. Paul's on a roll. In Jesus, there are no worries about what will happen. And there's no worries about what we have or what we don't have. And this is... For me, this is like hits home because I just came from a week of what we call camp meetings, like a family camp, and you go for a week or however many days you can go, and you spend every morning doing praise and worship and preaching and night praise and worship preaching. There's conferences and there's breakouts, there's swim time and, and lots of food. Trust me, way too much food at this thing. And I've been all week. I've been there all week. Came home yesterday afternoon. Went there Monday morning. Came back yesterday afternoon. Me and my two little ones were there all week. Shelly came Friday night and spent the night. And came we all came back Saturday. And I'm just like full of lots of stuff, but I've had these conversations because Awaken Church, 
we're the baby of the network. And this is all these people from these network churches gathering for a week together. And all these questions. So I've been like having these conversations. Yep, we don't have a church building of our own. Why don't you worry about that? We don't, we don't, we don't have a lot of financially stable tithing partners that, that are part of the church right now. Oh, oh well. Most weeks we don't have like, you know, uh, p- plenty of like people to, to greet people when they come in. Like, you know, most weeks we're just kind of like, you know, pastor, get out there and greet people because there might be a visitor. You know, we have these these things and I have these friend, pastor friends like, man, I'd be worried to death. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. I'd be worried to death. And I'm like, just keep remind, keep getting reminded. This is God's idea, not mine. I didn't wake up and morning and say, hey, Shelly, why don't we move to Natchitoches and plant a church? <laughs> No, it was a process actually of several years of God speaking into my life and my family and God speaking into the, the churches that have planted us here into their leadership to make this all come about. It's God's idea. How are, we going, how are you going forward in this? How do you have the strength through that? I don't. It's not in my strength. It's God's strength. Well, what's the plan? It's, God's, it's not my plan. It's God's plan. The vision that God's given us is God's vision. It's not my vision. We do the work on his, with his strength and his timing. And again, it's not Steve. It's God with Stephen and Shelly and the family and Quentin and Zach and Bree and, and, and all you guys, everybody. It's us together in this. Like, that's why I don't worry. What happens if it don't make it? God will provide. God will provide. If he's still calling me to be a preacher, I'll be a preacher. <laughs> If the funding goes away, we'll meet without funding. I don't know. We'll go back to meeting in my house. We can't afford to rent here. My house is free. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. All I know is I'm trusting God with this. So what things do people worry about having or not having? When I think about worry, most of our worries come with what we have or what we don't have. As a as this letter of Philippians kind of wraps up, Paul's thanking them for this financial gift they'd sent to him. And they loved Paul, and they had been, like, concerned for him. And he says in verse 11, not that I was ever in need. I love this. They had sent him this gift, and he's like, not that I was ever in need. He's in prison. He's chained to a soldier, Roman soldier. He's uh, facing a trial with maybe a death penalty, possibility of a death penalty. And he's like, not that I was ever in need. (laughs) Thanks for sending it, but not that I needed anything. Man, verse 12, he goes on, because I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. This is hidden in the scriptures in this ancient letter, but it's the secret of living and having life in every situation. I know what it's like to have plenty. I know what it's like to have nothing. I've learned how to be content. He's like, I know the secret. And everybody's looking for the secret. He said, this is something God taught me. It's through the relationship with Jesus I've learned this secret. Because we're not naturally content. Naturally, I would never be content with being in jail and having to write letters instead of being out preaching, Paul would say. Naturally, how content we are seems to to rise and fall on our circumstances in our natural state. He says, because I know God and God's done something in me, He's given me this joy. My joy isn't based on how good life is now. My joy is based on how good God is. That's where my joy is based in. Then he says, here's the secret. It's an attitude. It's, it's a way of life. It's a way of looking at life. It's, it's, and it's one of these verses that's the most, one, it could be taken out of context so much. It says, this is the secret. 
how I've learned to be content, whether I have plenty or I have nothing, whether I'm in jail or whether I'm doing what I'm called to do out in the, in the church, in the world. The secret is this. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's not my strength. It's not my vision. It's not my plan. It's not my message. It's not my gospel. It's not my church. It's His. And I can do everything through Him because He gives me the strength. It doesn't matter what I have or what I don't have because if I'm seeing life in this panorama, not just what's right in front of me and what affects me, but if I'm seeing it from God's view, seeing all of it, and I see the goodness of God when I do that. I've experienced His presence. I've experienced how great He is. Even in my greatest trials, God has shown up and He's shown Himself to be greater. And He's never left me and His love is better than life. Paul writes, that's what he's saying. And that's what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. I've experienced this in my life as well. My relationships are in Him. My job is in Him. My, my health is in Him. My security, my provision, my money, my peace, my joy is in Him. And I can rejoice. And I can rejoice because, and Paul would write this in another letter called Romans, Romans 8, 28. We know God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So I don't have to worry because I'm hidden in Christ Jesus. True joy is found in the place you find it's not about you, but it's about Jesus. That's where true joy is. For those wondering... Well, where do I stand in this? Where do I stand with God? And man, maybe I've been too bad. Maybe I've said or done too many bad things. Could God ever? Could God even forgive this? Could I mean, asking like I don't believe He could. Here's where you stand. It's where we all stand. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. That's where we all stand. No matter what, no matter what you've done, no matter what has happened out here with this what we've looked at with these what's what's happened up here what's happened in here we all stand in the same place believe in the lord jesus christ you'll be saved it's a promise he makes us all because not because of anything that that we've done another we could do but because he's done for what he's done who he is so if you carried anything here today that's a worry if you're watching right now on, on, our, on our live stream or the video, or if you're listening to the podcast of this sermon, and you're carrying some worry into this, it's baggage. And Jesus wants to just take that baggage, and he doesn't want to give it back to you. He wants to take it. He wants, it, he wants to be done with it. He wants you to be done with it. Because we're going to do whatever we can do, and we're going to trust God to do what we can't do. So we give it to God. We pray about everything, and don't worry about anything. And I pray that you begin to see life from God's perspective. Because seeing life from this perspective leads to less worry and more joy. And to wrap this up, he wraps up his letter with verse 19. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. As far as the next step. If you ever put your faith in Christ, I would say that's the next step. That's the step you need to take. I want to put my faith in you, Jesus. And that, that's the prayer. You don't have to, I mean, there's the sinner's prayer, and there's all these little things that people use. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to, I want to put my faith in you, and you have. That's it. And you can do that right here, right where you're standing or sitting now, or we stand when we sing. And if you haven't done that, I say do it. Maybe you're following Christ, but you still have worries that you find yourself worrying. 
here's something that, that I've heard. I don't do this, but it sounds like a good idea. It may be something tangible if you need something tangible. Create a box. It's called a worry box. And just, you know, you can take an old tissue box or whatever you want to do and make, put on this your worry box. And write down your worries. Instead of just carrying them around, write them down. Say it out loud or write it out loud. Write it down and drop it in the worry box. And don't take it back out. Leave it there. Actually, I, I would say, for me, I'd want my worry box to be the trash can. I want to write down, the, what, if something's got a hold of me that I'm so worried I don't trust God, I want to write it down and throw it away. Get rid, like, I want to trust God with this. Maybe creating a worry box would be your next step. You know, something tangible you can do to trust God. Lord, we love you, and thank you so much that you, uh, God, that you just bring your, your presence to us, and not just a little bit, but all of you, that, um, Lord, your, your love... And the scriptures tell us that um, it casts out fear. And if we have fear, it's because, well, we don't understand who you are and what you've got in store for us. So we don't want to live in fear or live in worry. We want to live in you and the peace that you give us because there's only joy when we can have peace that you provide. And uh, guys, we thank you for this, this ancient letter that we've kind of gone through the last few weeks. And we trust you with um, continuing to speak to us as we reflect on it. And when, Lord, we just ask that you would guide us to, to be able to take those things that we're worried about, maybe in this very moment. And if we haven't put our, our faith, our life in your hands, Lord, I pray this is what we do right now. And say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to be yours. I want to be saved from those sins. I want to, I want to live the life you created me to live. Would you please forgive me? And that's it. And it's done. And we become a follower of you. Or maybe we're carrying worries and we need, to, we need to put those in a worry box. Maybe it's metaphorically or maybe literally we need to do it. Maybe right now we just need to do it in, in prayer. As we understand, Lord, your fullness is enough to, 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 to take all of the worries we carry and handle them. So, Lord, we give them to you in this moment. Would you give us the strength and the wisdom to not take them back and to trust you? and to pray about everything. And as for our church, Lord, we acknowledge we still have things that, that worry other people and they're concerns for us and we make them a matter of prayer. So God, we know you're the God of all provision, whether it's people, finances, uh, direction, vision, whatever it is, God, you know what it is and you have it in your, in your storehouse. So Lord, we're going to ask you to just provide for us. We'll not worry but we'll serve you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.